You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Great sermon this morning out of the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 25 through to 29. Uh, stepping out of the boat can be defined as a step that defies, defies logic. And this is many times... Uh, admired from a distance because when it comes to stepping out in faith um, into the unknown a lot of people stray away from nobody considers or even plans for this to transpire in their everyday life in fact uh, a majority of people live their lives in the safety of the boat yet on this very day that Peter finds himself in a boat He does the exact opposite. In fact, the Bible says that he steps out of the boat to be able to go where Jesus is. And this one step uh, goes down in history for all of eternity. And we can use it this morning to be able to apply it to our own uh, uh, faith uh, and uh, be able to believe that God would help us to step out of the boat. And so I want to preach to you a sermon very simple sermon entitled stepping out out of the book of matthew uh, chapter 14 we're going to be reading from verse uh, uh, 25 through to 29 Uh, read along with me in your bibles uh, 25 the bible says these words now in the fourth watch of the night jesus went to them walking on the sea and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea They were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you uh, on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, uh, save me stepping out of the boat. I want to look firstly and focus on the boat because uh, a boat can be described as a place of security, comfort uh, from the unknown. Uh, It was uh, Jose uh, Jose Salvador that uh, uh, discovered this in a profound way after spending 14 months uh, out to sea accidentally. Jose and his friend uh, decided to go on a two-day fishing experience uh, and were hit by a violent storm causing them to lose their GPS, uh, causing them to lose their bearings, uh, and 14 months out to sea uh, were forced, uh, in fact one of them passed away, but uh, uh, Jose was managed to survive uh, living off raw fish, birds, uh, things that they caught with their hands, drinking turtle blood uh, and uh, rainwater that they caught. And so here is 14 months, this little boat began to be their own security for them to step out. Uh, uh, The uh, story goes that uh, the other man began to hallucinate, wanted to jump into shark infested waters. uh, But Jose was able to keep him in the boat. Why? Because he understood that while you're in the boat, there is safety. Now, Security is what we know and what we like. 
And if you're like me, you know, there's nothing more horrifying than coming home and having realized that you've left either the front door open or the roller door has not been shut. That is a horrifying experience because you've now exposed what's dear to you to the outside world. We put a high price on security. We want the best of the best so we know and we have comfort and we can sleep at peace at night. Now notice that uh, the majority in our passage of Scripture stayed in the boat. They didn't think stepping out of the boat would be a good idea, and so the majority tend to, and this reveals human personality, that we would rather stay in comfort and in security uh, rather than step into the unknown. In verse 26, when the disciples saw him uh, walking on the sea, they were troubled. And so all of them were in the boat. They were seeing what Jesus was doing and thought of it as a ghost, but remained in their place. They did not for a moment think it would be better to be out there in, on the waters than rather than being on the boat. Now all the disciples were hiding in fear, thinking that they saw a ghost. And let me just bring this disclaimer. When you live your entire life and never taking a risk, the outside world begins to grow very, very dangerous. My mom, uh, we used to always uh, make a little joke about my mom because my mom... Uh, uh, would just wrap us in cotton wool. She had the opportunity to dress us up, uh, uh, you know, in a, a bubble wrap to make sure that we wouldn't hurt ourselves. Uh, uh, she would have done it. And we would always say she was always the worst case scenario. It's like we're just walking down the park. If you walk away, somebody's going to take your hand, take you away. You're going to be gone forever. It was always the worst case scenario. You be careful. You are, if you're not wearing the right shoes, you're going to slip, you're going to fall, you're going to break your head, you're going to be in hospital for the rest of your life. Paraplegic. You know, it was just worst case scenario every single time. Why? Because, uh, you know, when you, when you live in the safety, you love safety. You don't want to venture out. It's a vicious world. I remember, her, uh, you know, trying to teach me how to drive and very cautious. It's like, be careful. You have to watch for the roads outside because it's not just you. It's others. Uh, and they could at any moment hit you. And so you have to be aware of that. We see now a rise of paranoia that uh, today when more people are staying indoors rather than going outside, uh, they enclose themselves, they become imprisoned in their own homes. Uh, and uh, we see the rise in paranoia. I was reading uh, uh, an article from Psychology, uh, Psychology Today. Nancy Williams claims that paranoia is the process rather than a trait. And so our generation today that have been influenced by the outside, uh, by, by these uh, uh, outside forces that have caused them to now think uh, in a certain way, uh, uh, now are being affected in paranoia. And uh, what she says is very interesting that we are all susceptible uh, to become uh, uh, under paranoia when influenced by stress. And so when we are gripped in our minds, I can't do this, I can't do that, uh, 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 we begin to enclose ourselves, imprison ourselves in the security of our own home. Everything outside is dangerous, becoming paranoid. Why? Because the outside world, we're so distant, we're so removed uh, that as a result, we view it in the wrong way. It was King Saul that lived under the influence of paranoia. And this is what drove him to pursue one man for many, many years. The Bible says in 1 Samuel, because of one song 
So when women sang and danced, they said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. That one song caused him to become paranoid about who David was and what he was going to do. And he began to see things incorrectly instead of pursuing him and elevating his ministry and trying to be a blessing to him. He saw him as a potential threat to the throne and began to pursue him with his entire army. This man was a man of power, could have done great things for the people of God, but he was spending his time fixated on one person, on one man, and trying to destroy him. It's exactly how many of us can react many times. There's something that stands out in the moment where Peter looks closer and picks the object walking on the water. He immediately, uh, the Bible says, uh, Jesus spoke to him and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on uh, the water. See here, Peter was willing to take a risk. He was willing to leave uh, the disciples behind to be with Jesus Christ. We've stepped into 2020 and, you know, kind of discussing now a New Year's resolution. What do you want to do different? Uh, what is something that you're planning to do uh, this year? Uh, and, uh, you know, it was asked uh, of me uh, something that I would uh, try or what, what, what is my New Year's resolution? Uh, and thinking about it, it would be to be willing to take more risks. Because how many know that you can, you know, you can be hurt in 2019. You took a risk and maybe it hurt you. Took a risk and maybe it backfired. It didn't come out the way that you wanted it. And so 2020 comes out and you think, you know what? I don't want to do that again. I don't want to try again. I'd rather just stay in the comfort of my home. I don't want to step out. Why do I have to do this? Why can't somebody else do it? The willingness to take a risk. Something happens to us when we risk and fail. It can keep us imprisoned on the boat what about you this morning were you willing to take a risk maybe it's applying for a, a job that you're not qualified for maybe it's taking a risk in a relationship maybe it's learning an instrument or asking for a raise asking a girl out on a date having a child having another child taking a risk my wife's not in here Praise God. That'll get back to us somehow. But it's a risk, right? I remember teaching my eldest daughter how to ride her bike without trainer wheels. This could really go bad. And she doesn't, you know, she holds on to things. And so, I'm, you know, that moment where you just release that seat and she starts riding, you think, is this going to work? Keep pedaling. You're yelling, but you're like, you better, if you stop, you're going to hurt yourself. But it's that risk that causes us to see something greater than what we realized is out there. So I want to look secondly this morning at the water. Because the fear of the unknown can be absolutely crippling. 
The fear of what's around that corner, that, you know, dark corner, that alleyway. You think, you know what, I don't want to go and venture out there. I want to stay in the light. I don't want to be alone. Uh, you know, it's, it's those moments where you get home. Nobody's home. It's just you and you leave all the lights on. Everything's not running. So it's not, there's no quietness. You can't hear the creaks. It's the fear of the unknown. Last year, I went under for the third time in surgery. And uh, this was very gripping for me because I'd, the first time that it happened, uh, I had to get my appendix taken out. And so they said, you know what, this is going to be surgery, which means you need to go under. And I didn't understand exactly what was happening until finally they handed me this piece of paper and said, you need to sign this before we operate. And it was a disclaimer saying that if I died or if something went wrong and I woke up and I uh, you know, had one arm and you know, I was missing a leg, it's not going to be their fault and I can't sue them. And so you know, you, you're kind of looking at that, you're thinking, what am I, what am I signing up for? Like, this is unsettling, right? And it's still, you know, you, they put the mask on your face, you're, you're there waiting and uh, the, you know, it's okay, you're going to go to sleep and who's going to wake me up? When do I wake up? Will I wake up? I just count to 10. That was, I mean, that was the most frightening 10 seconds I've ever, I didn't even get to 10, I got to maybe one or two. But it's the unknown. It's what happens around the corner, the things we don't plan for. It's those unsettling waters. There's nothing like the circumstances of life that force you to have to take a risk. Listen to me. If I had not gotten that operation and signed up and said, all right, I'm going to have to take a risk, my appendix would have exploded. I would have poisoned my own body and passed away. You had, I had to take, be willing to take a risk in order for a problem uh, uh, to be rectified. And here is the part of the story uh, that Peter sees Jesus out in the water and he says, I want to be where he is. There are a few factors that we can apply from stepping out into the unknown. Number one is being able to discern the voice of Jesus. Now, this is very, very unsettling waters here. Because there's a lot of people that I come across and they say, God spoke to me. My first encounter with this was when I was uh, 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 in Perth, Western Australia. We were doing a concert for one of our baby churches. Uh, and this lady walked into the concert. It was before we started. Uh, and as we do, we greet people. We try to just uh, make them feel welcome. Uh, and uh, she began to tell me that she was a Christian uh, and that uh, she heard from God. And what happened was she was in her kitchen uh, and on the kitchen sill, uh, uh, her window was open uh, and a bird landed. And that bird began to speak to her exactly what God wanted her to do. And, and I'm just listening and I'm, I'm watching her and I'm going, you expect me to believe this? Like this is, this is hard to digest, right? A bird's now talking. I'm a, I know we serve a God of the impossible, but let's, let's just wait a minute. Let's just ponder this for a moment. That let's not be careless with what we, you know, when it comes to, oh, yes, God spoke to me. I heard a voice from God. Now, while I'm always praying to hear from God and be fully aware when He does speak and being able to discern that voice, listen, we have to tread carefully because many times it could lead us to very devastating realities if we don't discern the voice of Jesus correctly. It's amazing at how 
Peter steps out and says, Be of good cheer, it is I. Here is Jesus saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus doesn't say his name. He just says it's I. And so you have to be mindful. Here is this uh, 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 moment of trying to discern, uh, is this Jesus? Uh, 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 Am I going to where uh, uh, safety is or am I going to be led astray? Uh, Now what you have to understand is that this is why God has given us the word in John 1.1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So here uh, we have the word of God. Uh, We don't need necessarily to wait for a little bird to land on our windowsill while we're doing the dishes. We've got His Word. You can read that and you can apply that to your life and it can strengthen you and challenge you and cause you to understand that where He is, what He's doing, you can be there also, but it's by discerning the voice of Jesus Christ. Peter had to take a moment and discern, it is I, is that you, Jesus? The second thing we see when it comes to stepping into the unknown has to, do, has to do with being willing to submit. Now, this is an area that we all struggle in life. Submission to authority is something we struggle with. It's amazing how when you get married, you, realized, you realize you're very selfish you're quite happy when things are in your favor, but when it's not in your favor, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not happy now in this relationship. We need to change. In other words, you need to change. Right? Being able to submit when it's a boss or a teacher or a police officer or a judge or the prime minister, a pastor, an elder, your spouse, it's serious. It can be many times met with, well, I don't want to do that. I'm not happy. I don't find that uh, applicable for my life. And so here is Peter. The Bible says that he calls out and says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. Commanding is something very profound. It was Jesus that was confronted by a centurion that understood the power of authority. And it was Jesus that said that I have not seen faith like this because of this man's understanding of authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. I say to people, go, and they go. And and so it's that authority that engaged Jesus and said, you know what, that is something that's profound. The moment he said, you just say the word and it'll be done. The ability to submit to authority. The principle there is you have authority when you submit to authority. And so here is Peter, he's crying out. When it comes to the unknown, what's going to spare your life and uh, not cause you to lose your destiny is your ability to submit uh, to the commands of God. And it's more than just, I know that there are critics, well, the Bible's just full of rules and regulations and laws and standards. The church today is just so legalistic. Well, you've got to serve somebody. And I'd rather be serving Jesus Christ. I'd rather be living under 
the word or in the word of God rather than uh, under the threatening bosses and teachers, police officers. Listen, I'd rather be submitted to Jesus Christ than anybody else. Number three, when it comes to stepping out into the unknown, the third principle we get from our text is our ability to keep focus. We're in a generation today that can be very easily distracted. And it doesn't take much. I mean, you could be looking down, you know, at your Bible and the corner of your eye, you see someone playing with a toy or you see someone sneeze in the moment. It's just the corner, it's just the very faint, a shadow. Just recently, we got my, uh, the youngest child is a little boy, and so, you know, we got him boy toys, and so he likes dinosaurs, he likes animals, and uh, along with that, he, he, we got him uh, some insects, one being a tarantula. And I have had so much fun hiding this little tarantula around the house and <laughs> waiting waiting just around the corner just to hear or see the reactions of my wife opening the drawing you know it just and then it was a very proud moment when my daughter Annabelle the eldest she comes up she goes I know exactly where to hide it and she hid it in the mitten of the uh, oven mittens where my wife (laughs) I mean it was it was a proud moment for me I'm like I didn't even think of that that is genius (laughs) my my poor wife trying to cook for us and serve us, and there she is, frightened for her life. (laughs) So there we go. We just got, we just lost focus, right? So let's go back to the sermon. (laughs) Being distracted is something that can happen very easily. The Bible says at the moment that Peter saw the boisterous winds, he began to sink. He lost his focus of who Jesus was and what he could do. And he began to cry out, Lord, save me. It's amazing at how when we distract it, when we're distracted from the word of God, from praying, being the house of God, those are the moments that we begin to sink. We begin to fail to understand it, how far away we draw away from Jesus Christ. And it is many times coming back to the word, coming back to the place of worship, being in his sanctuary that recalibrates us and give us a focus once again to be able to serve him in those times or those areas of the unknown now what fears this morning are keeping you bound today what fears are preventing you from reaching where jesus christ is or being where jesus christ is never risking is always going to cost you because you begin to lose your sense of adventure. You know, when we were young, we did the most insane things, right? We'd play sport all day, not even stretch. Now, if I don't stretch, I'm out for a week. I'll get a stitch just going for a little walk. It's like, you know, there were times where you were young, you wouldn't even think. It's like, you know what? You know what we need to do tonight? Let's stay up all night. That's insane. Today, it's like, what time is it? It's 8.30. Let's go to bed. I mean, it's dark. Why are we up? What are we doing? You begin to lose your sense of adventure. And it gets worse as you get older. 
begin to isolate yourself and say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, well, we need, to def- we need to come against that, right? Applying ourselves, risking. The excuse can't be, well, I can't. I don't know how. Why not learn? Why not challenge yourself this year to be able to try something new, learn that instrument, go on a, you know, a, an expedition, try something, uh, teach yourself something, or even uh, uh, you know, apply yourself uh, 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 so that you learn something brand new. This year I was challenged just before uh, uh, to be able to kind of uh, grow in just various different areas. And so that's why I've challenged the church to do four different things. We're going to learn a life skill every month, one life skill every month. This month it's creativity. We're going to learn a life lesson from Jesus Christ. And this month it's going to be uh, uh, serving is to be great or to serve is to be great. Uh, looking at the principle of serving. Uh, we're going to learn a memory verse, Psalms twenty-two, twenty-two. Uh, which I haven't learned yet because we're still in the first week of the uh, first month. But here is a memory verse. So by the end of the year, you're going to learn 12 uh, uh, different scriptures of the Word of God. And then finally, uh, uh, there's another thing that we're going to be doing, uh, um, a word study, which will cause us to learn more about the Word of God rather than just reading um, the Word of God, but studying it. And so we're going to be looking at the word assembly. What does that word assembly mean? And so these four areas every month, applying them to our lives, a life skill, a life lesson, a memory verse, and a word study, be able to help us to ground ourselves in the Word of God so that we may grow. Because the whole principle there is that I don't want to be the same person I was in 2019 in 2020, right? My wife told me a quote that she read that really challenged her, and that is, don't measure yourself with others, measure yourself of uh, last year's self and make sure that you change this year. This is your ability to be able to grow, to be able to learn something new and recognize, you know what, God is moving in my life and I am taking a risk and I'm trying new things so that I may know more of God. And so I want to look closing in, uh, in closing the miracle because we have a new year and we can be the new me, right? A new year, a new me. This year, my wife and I are trying to get focused on, uh, uh, you know, just trying to stay fit and, and, uh, and being alert. We have kids that are very active. And so just recently, uh, we went uh, to the Springbrook uh, waterfalls. And this was beautiful. You go walking for about two hours uh, down this hill, get to this little uh, 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 waterfall, and then you walk back up. So it's an hour there, an hour back roughly. And that was with three kids and, uh, you know, the whole time I'm watching my kids and making sure we're holding uh, Nate's hand because he just uh, loves to run. And, I, the, you know, the last thing I want is for him to trip and fall off the side of the cliff. Uh, and then, you know, it's just not going to be good. Uh, the three kids, you know, you, you're staying alert. And just before the trip started, we went to the toilet, make sure that we were ready for the long trip there and back. And as I walked past this little section, there was just a, uh, a stench coming from... Uh, uh, the ground, and as I looked over, it looked like some something had been regurgitated. Some animal had died. So I went into the toilet, came back out. As I came back out, there was another family standing outside where I walked past, and they they were looking at this snake. 
And so this family was traveling from Victoria. They're looking at this snake. They say, oh, look, at there's a snake there. And so, you know, curiosity. Walk over and say, oh, there's a snake. But I still kept a distance. You know, I'm not, you know, not silly, right? There's a three meter. Oh, yeah, okay. There's a snake over there. Kids, let's walk off, right? We see it, it's done. So we go on the trip. We come back up only to find rangers are there. Now, I'm not a snake expert. I asked that family, do you know what snake it is? What does it look like? They said, oh, it must be just a python, not venomous, right? We come back to find out the ranger said it's a rough-scale snake, which is one of the deadliest uh, snakes in Western Australia. It can kill you in two minutes. Now, I'll tell you what happened that moment. Number one is that I was very thankful that I'd prayed that morning for the safety of my children. I'd never realized how important, I, I mean, that could have gone very, very badly. At any moment, we could have just gone, and Nate was with me. He could have, oh, what's that there? Bang, a little, bang, gone, right? We realize that every day miracles are happening that many times we're not aware of. And all we did was say, God, I just, I just need you to protect me, protect my family, just do what you do best. And we give it to God and we allow him to do the, be- the, you know, the rest. The second thing, realizing that miracles are happening all the time. This is something that you and I need to stay engaged with. Because we serve a miracle worker. The God that we serve is involved in the supernatural. And the more that we draw closer to Him, the more that we take risk, it reveals the nature of God and how He is there to protect us, how He is there to guide us. Yes, there are obstacles on the way, but thank God that He's there with us. The tragedy is is that many people focus on the wrong thing because it's what focusing on what Jesus can do rather what he hasn't done that derails people. Lazarus, the Bible says, was dead. He was four days in the tomb. He wasn't coming out. In John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Immediately, Jesus is met. Remember, Jesus is a miracle worker. He can do the impossible and Martha comes to Jesus with all her negativity and says, you should have been here earlier. This is an, you know, you cannot reverse this. Now, if you're a Bible student, you'll understand that the Jews believed two to three days, the spirit hovered around and still stayed around. And so for Lazarus to be in the tomb for four days, he's dead, dead. He's gone. There is no way of him coming back. So here now Jesus steps into the scene and calls out, Lazarus, come forth, and he comes forth. He, he arises from the dead, again being met with absolute awe. But see, for Jesus, that's just another day. For God, the impossible is always possible. Matthew 17, 20 The Bible says, because of your unbelief, I surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now we read that, we think mountains don't move. And if they do move, they shouldn't move. 
But Jesus says, you know what? You have faith of a mustard seed. Nothing's impossible for him. And so the issue always comes back to us. What do we believe? What faith do we have? Can we expect the supernatural to happen in our lives? See, I believe wholeheartedly that we will one day be in heaven and God will just be running through, just skimming through the archives of our days and of our lives and saying, see that? That was me doing a miracle for you. See that there? I did that. We just be oblivious and go, wow, God is so good. He was so much more in control than what we realized. Miracles are happening every single day. The question is, do you see them? Now, what could Jesus inspire you to do this year? When Peter stepped out of the boat, there was something supernatural that was going to transpire. He had no idea. He didn't know what was going to happen, but the fact that he was willing to risk caused him to change his entire perspective of how he viewed Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you've been seeing Jesus just through a little pinhole, uh, looking at him and saying, you know what, he's out there in the unknown. Uh, I don't think I understand. I don't think I know. Well, this is another opportunity for you to get to know the God uh, that loves you so much. The God that has a destiny for, life, for your life. The, the God that can supernaturally move in every circumstance of your life. What could Jesus do for you? What would you be willing to do for Jesus? What is there right now that God is challenging you about? Because God is there. And He's waiting for you to discover Him in a more intimate way. He is reachable if you pray. He can be found if you seek Him out. But the question is, will you apply yourself? Will you risk? Maybe you've prayed already. Well, I tried praying and it didn't happen. But I read my Bible, it didn't happen. You know, again, we're going through the Bible this year, trying to read it from start from cover to cover. Four chapters a day. For those that are keeping up, right? We're in Genesis chapter 19. Well, I'm up to chapter 19. But, you know, we're keeping up four, four chapters a day to be able to read the entire Bible. We do this every year. Why? Because this, this word is living, it's alive, it can transform your life. We need to be not just under the word, but in the word. But the question is, will you apply yourself? Will you risk? Will you step into the arena of the supernatural? I want to close with a story that just recently uh, happened on White Island. Recently, you might have heard about the uh, active volcano that uh, went off and uh, people passed away as a result. Those that were on the actual island uh, uh, looking at uh, or into the uh, volcano were affected. People passed away. But a story comes out of this uh, tragedy uh, as a man being hailed as a super, superhuman. His name was uh, Paul Kingy. And Paul Kingy was hailed as a human, or uh, sorry, as a superhuman, all because he went back to the island uh, to be able to rescue all those that had been affected. Moments before the volcano erupted, this man already was, uh, 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 you know, was already on the island and then heard uh, uh, the 
volcano go off. This man uh, was praised as nothing more, uh, nothing less than a hero because uh, he was willing to go into dangerous conditions and help numerous of people who had been affected by this volcano. He got out of the boat. You could see footage of when this volcano erupted. Everyone went the opposite way. And they say that the heroes, the true heroes, are the ones that run into danger. That's why police officers, fire, firefighters, all these, they're heroes. But you know what? The kingdom of heaven needs heroes. Those that are willing to go into the battlegrounds. Those that are willing to do the hard yards for our heavenly Father, those that are willing to pray, those that are willing uh, to evangelize and uh, 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 do something that would cause uh, Jesus Christ to be pleased, uh, to be able to go in the face of danger when no doubt everyone else is running the opposite way, to be able to be used by God. Who knows what God could use you this year? Only you can limit what God can do in your life. But if you're willing to step out, if you're willing to risk, what supernatural dimension will God expose you to? What new lessons will you learn? What new adventures will you go on? What experiences will you have? I can tell you right now, God will never disappoint. There will never be a year. You give him your life, you give him your time, you give him your efforts, your greatest efforts. He will never disappoint you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments. The presence of God is in this place.